everybody. Welcome to episode 39 of the Kratom Sobriety Podcast. I'm Jacob, and I'm here with Charlie. You know, it's that time of year between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's a little bit slow, but it's a little bit stressful. Yeah, I hear that. Got some travel plans myself and getting everything uh, finalized for that. So, Yeah, today we have an interview. Decima talks with Chance, who is a barber. Appears that he tried dabbled a little bit of everything in the you know powders, extracts, shots. That's why has his quitting story. So today, I think wanted to talk a bit about the expose that came out on December twenty seventh in the Tampa Bay Times, titled "Deadly Dose," um, and it's just part one. There's more um, parts coming. I think two more parts. But uh, part one is hundreds died using Kratom in Florida. It was touted as safe. And this was, again, published by the Tampa Bay Times. So really good article. It uh, goes in, in quite a lot of directions, but um, kind of highlights some of the deaths from Kratom in Florida, as well as the rapid availability of Kratom um, in kava bars, Kratom bars, extracts, all of it. So really good article. If you haven't seen it, it's been circulating around and it's getting quite a bit of publicity. It's a, a unique piece of journalism. It looks like the four reporters over six months did working full time, build a database of deaths in Florida. We've in past episodes, referred to the study that McCurdy and some others did out of Florida that looked at just at two years of the deaths, and this went over like ten years. It's good because it's shining a, a spotlight on kratom, probably in a in a large publication in a large major metro area in a well-read newspaper that is probably starting to get a lot of attention from people that might not have even known about Kratom or realized that, that this was a, becoming a problem in, in their community. So I, I think anything that continues to to shine a light in that is, is good. Predictably, the pro-Kratom community was up in arms against it, you know, doing the usual whataboutisms, uh, making logical fallacies about the, the deaths had to be from something else and how you can't just die from Kratom alone. All the typical stuff. What's really interesting is the American Kratom Association put out a response. I'm not sure exactly when. I think it was a couple days after the article came out. But they were basically uh, doing their usual thing of saying that journalists were gaslit by the FDA. And they lay the deaths squarely at the feet of the FDA. Which is interesting because obviously um, they want the FDA to regulate Kratom as a food and not as a drug, which I think we all know it is. A couple of standard response. One is it's just blanket. It's fake news. It's some kind of hit job. It's, you know, all biased. That That's not even responding to the actual information and reporting. And it corresponds with some of the scientific articles, too. People that will actually look at the information you know, they will go through this discounting of all the deaths. You know, it, it is true 96% of the deaths either had people died with an opioid or they had an interaction potentially with like an over-the-counter medicine or a prescription med. The deaths that are associated with opioids, I think that shows sort of the limits of Kratom as a, a treatment for addiction or as a harm reducer. The deaths that are with an over-the-counter med or a prescription, those could be prevented somehow through better regulation. Yeah, hopefully in the end, this will dispel this, this 
belief that Kratom alone can't kill. That's only in one state. And there's potential for undercounting. Autopsies aren't universally done. Blood is not universally tested for toxicology. Right now, there's this, the part one was published. There's two companion articles, one yeah. where they tested 20 products and then another article where they reported on how they actually conducted their analysis and investigation. And there's supposed to be two more parts in coming weeks. I hope it's eye-opening for, for maybe some people that maybe have just started to dabble with the plant or, or you know, maybe still are open-minded about it and can kind of look at things from both sides. I think if if there were publications like this when I started with Kratom in 2019, because when I, I started, there were some there were some parts of the internet where if you looked really deeply, you could uncover maybe that Kratom had an addiction potential, but they were few and far between. Whereas, you know, fast forward four years later, 2023, there's a lot more information available, whether that's anecdotal or not, to show that this is a substance that can be addictive for some people. I also think the um, other parts that you alluded to, the like the companions to this first article, the, the products was super interesting because there were some products in there that sound very concerning. We highlighted the one in the, the Kratom in the headlines from last Sunday's episode was pretty fascinating because that's the number one product that was highlighted in there. Um, we're not going to name it, but basically it's this super strong 7-OH extract that is really really problematic and i think that's that kind of just shows you some of the i want to say bs that is is put out by some in the procreatum community because that stuff's pretty pretty close to a legitimate opioid in my opinion and i don't know any legitimate opioid you can buy over the counter really anywhere in the world and i mean these this stuff you can you can buy anywhere so I also saw some comments from the pro community too that were starting to like get behind the like extracts and and stuff are going to ruin this for everybody. Which I think is interesting because they also did some testing on some of the powder and found some pretty decent concentration of mitrogenine and, and stuff in there. So um, all 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 in all, a lot of various directions that it, that it goes in. Yeah, their testing showed another alkaloid that I'm not even going to try to pronounce on the air that was prevalent in a lot of the samples that I haven't seen a lot of discussion um, online or in the literature. And uh, yeah, there was a couple other products, like a shot product that was five times more powerful than like of the popular uh, shot. I mean, the only problem with the, the narrative that's extracts is clearly in their reporting, many of the people died from non-extract products and jives with the information we see Kratom itself, powder, has some issues too. That's the only challenge with the extract discussion. I don't buy into that discussion either because like, that would be like if you compare it to booze, right? Like Budweiser's not saying like, hey, we, we sell a low alcohol by volume product. The only thing that's going to give you cirrhosis of the liver is, you know, Jack Daniels 100 proof whiskey. I don't know if Jack Daniels is 100 proof, but you, you see my point, right? You've got like these very concentrated alcohol products like vodka and stuff like that. Then you've got like beer and wine. It doesn't matter. You drink enough alcohol, you're going to have health problems. Like it's scientifically proven. We all know that. I think we're starting to see with Kratom, like you go too far down with Kratom you're probably going to have problems. I don't know. I've never seen anybody that said that they can take 
you know, a hundred grams of Kratom a day or four or five strong extracts that are equivalent to that, regardless of what they're doing and like not be super dependent on it. It just, it's, it's science. You take enough of a drug that has something that binds to your opioid receptors, you're going to become dependent. You're going to suffer from withdrawal if you stop it abruptly. That's just the way it works. We all know, we've known people that have gotten, you know, primarily addicted to, to beer or wine or liquor. And sometimes there's progression between those three. Sometimes they're switching. The challenge here, is, like in terms of regulatory, I mean, I, I, you know, I think the situation is kind of an overcorrection for the marijuana and uh, wars on drug. It's an overcorrection because uh, there just is not a simple solution going forward. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think the last thing I'll say is that when the war on drugs was as it was at what at, was at its height, people would compare would make statements that were just blatantly false about substances. Like for those of us that grew up in the nineties, I remember, you know, when um when raves were happening and people were talking a lot about ecstasy and like it was laced with heroin and then they actually did some studies on that and they never found any pills that were laced with heroin. So it's like they the government and, and people were making up stories to kind of keep youth away from using substances and now we have a substance that actually has some dangers and i think a lot of people are like yeah but they lied about this this and this and i don't know kratom seems pretty harmless to me so you know this all has to be made up and it's just big pharma or, or the government trying to control us which you know yeah i don't, I don't think is true <laughs> and and I, I both of us agree that nobody should be in jail or have an interaction with the cops because of drugs. This is a big business and a big business sh should not probably be regulating itself. You know, we don't let that with the airlines. Charlie, I think you had some, before we um, go into the interview, I think you had some comments that you wanted to cover. First, Decima did a, a post on Facebook and asked listeners what they wanted to hear more about. And the two responses we got was one more, interviews with powder users and more interviews with people on lower doses, you know, like under 20 grams. I got an email from a listener who just wanted to ask for a correction. He gently told me, you know, your theory about tapering and not that it's not a full-blown addiction if you're able to taper, that theory is a little bit harebrained. He expressed his experience both tapering off some harder stuff like heroin and methadone as well as Kratom. And uh, even though he had the discipline to kind of meter down, didn't mean that the experiences weren't painful, the withdrawals weren't bad, and that he didn't have some pretty bad uh, consequences from the addiction. So whenever you make blatant statements, you got to be careful. And this is a learning experience for me. And I, I actually am not a very experienced Kratom user. I only used it <laughs> for a couple of years and my addiction only was six months. So I quit a bunch of times and I tapered once and for some, somehow I was able to do it. I relapsed pretty quickly after that, but after that I never could. So yeah, we do have a taper interviewing should be at the end of the month. And most of the people we've talked to have said they haven't been able to taper. And it was because there was a total loss of control. I admire people who have the self-control and um, to be disciplined to be able to actually taper, but uh, it doesn't mean that it's not, if you're able to do that, that you're not having a bad addiction. And On to the interview with Chance.
Hey, you guys, uh, tonight we're here with Chance. We're going to talk with Chance about his recovery and his path, um, his struggles with Kratom along that path. Um, how are you doing tonight, Chance? I am doing great. I am blessed. Just been a full day's work, and I'm feeling satisfied tonight. Nice. Oh, we really appreciate you making time to chat with us tonight. Um, so for somebody that's just meeting you, tell us a little bit about Chance. Well, let me just go ahead and start by saying it is an absolute privilege uh, to get to share this part of my story. Um, you know, I'm just a regular guy that, um, you know, I wanted to, I've always wanted to do something great in my life. And um, I just didn't know what that was going to be. So, uh, you know, I tried real hard at every avenue I could possibly think of and had lots of failures. But um, along the way, I've also had a lot of successful things happen. Um, and a lot of it has to do with um, finally finding a path in recovery and uh, using that to my advantage to grow further as a person and a man. And uh, finally get to become the um, husband that I've always wanted to be as well and find a career. Those are all very noble goals. How long did you use Kratom? I personally would like to know if you were using it daily. Um, did you ever take breaks? Um, some people call it tolerance breaks. Uh, what was your use like and how long did you use that's a really good question, and it's going to have uh, a good, broad answer. <laughs> it's uh, I used it for a little over two years consistently. Um, that's not the case the whole way. I've tried it in the past before, and you know I would uh, get some feelings from it, but it's never something I've always stuck with. Uh, there are other some uh, other dependency issues uh, prior to creating use, but I'll save that for later on tonight. Um, but yeah, I started using it and, um, it wasn't a consistent thing at first. It was, I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that likes to test things out, you know, and see if it'll work for me because I'm so unique, you know, and uh, kind of special in that way. But uh, yeah, I just started, um, you know, trying it here and there. I have a uh, chronic back pain and, um, I was trying to find something to help me with that. I found something that would, um, that or people told me it would help and I learned about it. But um, it wasn't something I considered dangerous at all. Um, after all, it is natural, you know, as people talk about. Of course. So, yeah, that's, it started out very innocently and um, it wound up bringing me to my knees in a matter of uh, two years time of consistent use. I'm sorry to hear that. I definitely can relate as a lot of us can. It's quite an insidious monster, that Kratom. Um, so as of tonight, how long have you been Kratom free? Um, I haven't done the math on that, but my last dose of Kratom was March 16th of 2023. So earlier this year. So my first day free was March 17th. Nice. I am not far behind you. I, my last dose of Kratom was the last day of May. So we are close there. Uh, just made, thank you. Thank you. And congratulations to you as well. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Okay. So, and I also, just a side note, was wondering, um, what, like, when you were taking Kratom, how were you taking it? Was it like powder or extracts? Um, what were, how were you consuming it? Well, I took it all 
but it didn't start out like that. It started out with just taking uh, a little bit of powder here and there. And honestly, I didn't really get much of an effect off of it when I, uh, when I did take it. I would try microdosing it, you know, just throwing in a little bit of water. And, um, you know, it, I never really felt a, uh, an effect from it until uh, there was a time whenever I had uh, tried an extract. And I just took a sip off the bottle, and that was really all it took to uh, actually make me dizzy, wobbly, sick. And that's whenever I noticed an effect was after that point. So it's kind of funny you said insidious, and that's uh, a great term for it because I am the type of person that once I feel a certain um, certain euphoria, I, I begin to chase it, and I begin to obsess on it. And I didn't realize it, but at that time, I had found something that I wanted more of. Uh, but I tried to hide it and cover it up and pretend that it was okay because I didn't crave it yet. So... That's that's where I started, and then um, I did end up using a lot of the powders as well. So kratom cap or capsules, powder, and extracts. Yeah, insidious to me. Um, the way it worked was it was so insidious in the way that, like you said, you just don't even realize that it's hurting you at first until, for me, until I actually went without it and realized I was sick without it. So that was super sneaky of Kratom to do that to me. So totally there. Um, So I'm also wondering, how did you learn about Kratom? I know you mentioned that you had some chronic pain. Um, Were you, is that why, what led you to, you know, find Kratom? Or how did you learn about Kratom? I love that question. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I knew about it a long time ago. so I knew it existed and I tried it a long time ago, but, um, I was drinking heavily back then when I took it and, you know, I got a little, I got an effect from it then and I got real sick, but it really didn't, uh, you know, I really didn't carry that through or, you know, seek it out anymore. Um, it wasn't until, um, I started experiencing, you know, more back pain. There's, uh, in this town that I'm in, we are completely saturated with, uh, Kratom stores. They're everywhere. They're, it's about like on every corner. Um, we went, my wife and I went to, uh, Tennessee, uh, on our honeymoon. And, um, I noticed while we were there, I was looking for the CBD stores and I was already working a Kratom and CBD superstore at that time. So I had been introduced to it, had lots of customers coming in and buying it left and right. And I never really understood it. And they would tell me all the different effects, the different, you know, the strains like red, whites, yellows, all this kind of stuff. And it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, while we were there, um, she deals with chronic pain herself and she purchased some and, um, you know, she would take it, but I don't think she ever really got too much of an effect off of it either. Um, however, it did pique my interest a little bit more. And so whenever I came back to town, uh, we sold, uh, the Kratom powder and extracts at the store I was working at. And I just started talking to the people that was coming in to buy it a lot and find out how they took it, why they took it. And uh, I decided that this might be something that works for me. So that's when I began uh, taking it myself. So this will be interesting for me um, to hear your answer on this. This could be the difference possibly between you and your wife. I know it is for me and my husband. Um, but had you had a past history of drug abuse or drug addiction, uh, substance issues of any kind like that before? 
I'm so glad you brought it up. Yes. Um, so by the time I began experimenting with Kratom, I had um, experienced a life of complete abstinence from drugs and alcohol for uh, a little over six years uh, before I had started um, messing with uh, Kratom. And, you know, it, it kind of roped me in because, you know, I was, I had a, uh, okay, so I'm also a member of a 12-step program as well. And I, at the time, my sponsor that I talked to about it, he didn't know anything about it. I didn't know much about it. So it was kind of like a green light because I could, I was selling it at the store and it was all natural. So it was like, well, you know, if it doesn't mess you up that bad, it can't be all that bad, you know, kind of a situation. So that's, uh, I'm glad you asked that. She doesn't have a dependency issues like I do. Um, so she's kind of the person that can, uh, take a drink here and there and it doesn't really seem to have an effect on her. Um, uh, if I do that or anything, any other substances, I'm, I'm pretty much, uh, going to put that above everything else in life. Why do we addicts always find somebody to partner up with that's just the opposite? Because it seems like it's a common theme for us that we do that. So it's um, that and <laughs> we seem to find the best people in the world that can deal with us. Deal with it. They're so gracious and kind. So back on track a little bit with Kratom. Um, what for you were early signs that, hey, this is a problem. Um, this is not such a good thing for me to be doing. What what were those early signs? Well, you mentioned how I'm in the barbering industry and I was getting I was going up to the, the store either the night before or early in the morning before I had to go to work. And I was buying, a, you know, just a little small extract shot and I would uh, dump it in a full bottle of water. So it diluted a little bit and I would sip on it throughout the morning and it would just give me just kind of a warm euphoria feeling like I could talk to anybody. You know, I didn't feel my back pain. So it, uh, it just really opened me up and kind of made me a social butterfly, if you will. And uh, that worked wonders with my clients. You know, I, I had a, it gave me almost like a little bit of a coffee buzz, but didn't make me all jittery and shaky. So that's, uh, that's where it started there. Um, uh, it progressed on for a few weeks after that. And what I noticed it was, I was having so much trouble with it was I was at work one day and I had, uh, drank my entire bottle of water before 10 o'clock in the morning and I felt nothing. And for me, to consume that, knowing it's worked in the past and it didn't work that day, well, something was wrong with the stuff I was getting. So, you know, um, I drove all the way across town, chewed out the guy at the store that was selling it to me, let him know it wasn't any good, you know. Um, and then you mentioned yourself that uh, having to come off of it, my, uh, it was a, I think it was a Friday night. And I had come home and I, I had had about three bottles of it total that day. And so I had noticed I spent a little over $30 to fill that well day. And I decided I wasn't going to take any more that night. And that was the first time I experienced withdrawals. And I had to drive across town to pick up my wife that evening. Um, it's also the same night that um, I admitted to her that, honey, I think I might have a problem with this stuff. Which is uh, one of the best things you could do. So I applaud you for that, for real, because it, it's a humbling moment and it's a scary moment when we realize what we've gotten ourselves into and that it was this, like you said, innocent plant, you know, that did it. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, 
Did you, and I'm sorry, this is off script a little bit, but did you have any negative side effects from Kratom? Um, any health issues or anything like that? Uh, the major negative side effects I had from it were, you know, what they call the wobbles, you know, the real dizzy stuff. And there were several times to where I would consume my Kratom, either shot or powder form, and I would uh, get so sick that I'd throw up, you know, but um, that to me just meant push through that because there's euphoria on the other side, you know, that's how I think about things. But as far as like any, uh, the negative effects didn't come until later and it involved um, chronic illness, almost like the flu. Uh, massive weight loss that a lot of people thought that I had uh, a serious, a serious disease and uh, tons of mental uh, side effects like depression, anxiety and stuff like that. But, you know, that did come a little bit later after I first recognized a problem because I kept going. Well, you did mention, you know, that you had a moment where you came basically clean with your partner. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit more about that moment just because I think it's important. And a lot of us struggle with, you know, we quit and we relapse. And it seems like we all have that moment where we just know. And I'm wondering for you, what was that moment? that led to you, you just knew it was time to quit. Well, um, you mentioned that moment that I had that evening and, um, I let, I'll tell you this real quick before I get onto that was that, um, I knew I needed to quit that night. Um, and I did, and I went through about a couple weeks of, uh, some flu like symptoms, but within about three weeks time, I'd already, uh, started up again. So, uh, the, it came back to me, which was really interesting. And then after that, it just, it grew and it developed, um, it developed into more of a chronic use of, uh, multiple doses all throughout the day, both powders and extracts. And, um, the moment when I knew that I was absolutely finally had to be done with it and I was scared out of my mind to, uh, to make a stop because, uh, I had tried two or three times before. I tried tapering and uh, nothing seemed to work because, um, you know, I kept, uh, kept craving it and I kept obsessing about it. And the most horrible thought in the world to me was having to stop it and what my body was going to do and what my mind was going to do. And how am I going to keep up living like this? Am I going to be able to live like this? You know, those were the thoughts that came through my head. Uh, but if you're asking me what my bottom was, what finally brought me to the point where I knew I had to make a change, it was uh, much after those instances I was telling you about, because I carried on like that for quite some time. Um, so I had uh, had my had to take my wife in uh, to an appointment she had. She had a major surgery, which um, I had used all the way through that. And um, she had to go in for this uh manipulation is what it was called and i know that day alone i had to take a bunch before i took her in while i was sitting there waiting for the doctor i was just i was out of my mind and i wasn't thinking right so i was being a total total jerk to everybody around you know including her um aggravated you know uh, restless discontent just angry at everybody and I had to leave her in the, 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 uh, room itself, um, once or twice just to go home and redose 
and I found it I found it easy to leave her there while the procedure was done just so I could go home and sit there with my extracts and take them because I couldn't do it without it. Uh, now, at one point, her doctor called me, which I should have been there waiting, waiting for her. But he called me and said, you can come and get her now. And um, I just, uh, it's kind of foggy, but I do remember going up to the hospital to pick her up. Um, I was driving uh, erratically. I was uh, driving very insane. I was yelling at her, yelling at other drivers. I was not a very kind person to be around whatsoever. And um, by the time we got back home, uh, you know, I was I was really noticing what I was doing, but I couldn't do anything about it. I was uh, reacting. And I was reacting out of instinct and craving, and I just couldn't stop it. And I knew then that it had to stop. Um, that's why I made my decision, but I wasn't able to stop yet. That was just what I knew I had to. Well, I appreciate you sharing that um, with us. That's, you know, something I think a lot of us can relate to is, you know, doing things that we wouldn't normally do not only for Kratom, but for whatever our drug of choice is. And that can be a sobering moment. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I'd like to move towards sobriety now and talk about um, how you actually accomplished this. I know you mentioned your wife, but it sounds like she's been very supportive. And I'm going to circle back around to that. But first, I'd like to know, the technicalities. Um, did you taper? Did you go cold turkey? Did you use medications, supplements? Tell us how you did it. Okay, so I'll go ahead and say that before I was actually able to stop, I did visit a uh, a treatment center uh, type place uh, to get some help. And I'm just going to go ahead and let you know that it just it didn't work for me because they had asked me to stop cold turkey, and I couldn't do that. Um, I lied to them and let them know that I did so I could go ahead and get treatment. But the treatment they were going to offer me was going to be a much stronger addictive substance that I'd have to go on to, and I found trouble with um, possibly getting off that later. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about that one right now, so I'm going to go ahead and fast forward to the time whenever I had to stop. And, you know, since this is, I know this is a, a Kratom sobriety uh, room that we're in, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that I was um, taking it and going into uh, a 12-step program meeting that I go to that helps me with my recovery. And I was going in, and I had to be open and honest with people, and it was really hard. I had to start my program over. So I was surrounded by love and support, but um, I just had to let them know where I was. And fortunately for me, and um, I think this is a divine thing, I was surrounded by a couple guys that they were like, yeah, I've been there. I know what that's like. Uh, but they were like, dude, you're never going to be able to just taper off this stuff. You know, you're, the way our mind is. And I'm, this is just me speaking personally. So if there's anybody listening to this that's doing that, I'm not against that. Um, I am saying that for me, he gave me the courage that day. He said, uh, he's like, man, you just need to once. And I took a dose before the meeting. So he knew I was taking it then. He's like, you just need to go home, uh, lock yourself up and, uh, go to your bedroom he says dump your shit out <laughs> and uh just go through it and i had tried that so many times but i just wasn't strong enough yet i hadn't had enough pain i think it was and finally i was just like you know what i'm gonna go do this 
And so um, I didn't have any special supplements of any kind. Um, I just knew that I was going to go home and do this. I have uh, vitamin C capsules I take anyway and multivitamins. So I came home. I locked the door, extremely paranoid, extremely anxious, depressed, and uh, rather suicidal, I might add. And um, I laid in the bed, and I just waited for the clock to turn and uh, went through. Uh, the withdrawals wouldn't start hitting me until probably about 4 or 5 o'clock that evening because I'd taken my dose at about 9 a.m. So it started creeping up, and I just went through it, and it was it was really hard. But I made a decision at that time to uh, stop. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, too, that for me at that moment, um, prayer helped me. I uh, stayed in prayer and asked for strength to make it through. So that actually was my next question. Um, if there were certain things that did help you through the withdrawal process, and what was that first 30 days um, sober and without Kratom like? Um. <laughs> Well, make no mistake, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I've came off of uh, alcohol, you know, uh, back in 2015, I came off of that. But um, it was very similar, except for um, it was, I, I couldn't believe how cold I was. It's just like the cold chills that were affecting me were out of this world. Uh, I felt like I was frozen all the time. And, um, and you know, I was sweating all at the same time. So I was, I was completely frozen and dripping with sweat and had covers all over me and sweats and a heater on me all the time. Um, it was really, I had dealt with tremendous amounts of anxiety. There were a couple of times I had to get out in public and it was, um, the only reason why I did it is because my wife wanted to go someplace and I didn't want to be that guy saying, oh, I can't do that. But um, I went with her a couple of times and froze to death in front of people that weren't freezing to death. Um, I had tremors and shakes a lot. And, um, it was really hard for me to get rest. Like it, that was very difficult for me. So my mind was racing constantly, uh, physical, lots of physical withdrawal symptoms, but it wasn't something that was completely unmanageable. You know, I knew that it wasn't life threatening. Um, it feels like it, but I did enough research to know that just me coming off of it alone wouldn't, uh, actually kill me. So I just kind of embrace the suck you know and i said okay this is it you know i'm gonna feel this this last time and get through it a lot of people find that to be a very effective method i know i did too because you don't want to go through it again after mm -hmm. you go through it so i totally get that so one of the questions that i see asked the most is and i am going to quote unquote air quote this how long did it take you to feel normal again <laughs> and that's the quote unquote part, part normal <laughs> yeah well that's that is a good question and you know i see this a lot in the group too um and you know for me and i do believe it's a very individual basis thing you know um our bodies are all biologically different so it took me, I would say, probably about a good, probably, okay, so the first three to four days were the worst. That It was it was awful. Um, about three weeks of constant chills and lethargy and, um, you know, uh, inability to not rest very well, things like that. 
And then once all that passed, you know, it really wasn't too terribly bad. I had a lot of racing mind. I still had a lot of anxiety and depression. But I think the thing that got to me the most is I like to eat, you know, and uh, that stuff, it sucked the life out of me. I was skin and bones and I just I started wanting to eat again, which was amazing. But um, I could have sworn that I had. Uh, oh, what is that called? It's just I can't remember the name of it because I'm on the spot, but it just it makes it to where you can't eat a lot of certain foods. And so I would eat like, say, um I ate a lot of bland foods for a long time, and then I'd get the courage to go, like, say, to Arby's and get a sandwich or someplace like that, and it would just be delicious because I was finally tasting things again, and I would eat the sandwich, and then I'd be up all night in the bathroom, um, you know, it's just, it was uncontrollable stomach gastric issues, that's where I'm going with that, but I thought that I had developed some sort of, um, I don't want to say an allergy, but do you know what that's called, hon? What? Never mind. She's doing homework, <laughs> but uh, I thought that I developed some sort of problem with my uh, stomach and my digestion the whole time. But what really took place was my body was recovering, and it took probably about three months of me uh, taking care of myself like that in order for me to eat normally again. Yet another very common um, thing, recurring theme we seem to hear is the stomach issues. So there, there has to be something to that. Who knows what Kratom is doing to our insides. Um, I'd like to circle back to, I. you mentioned your wife, and it sounds, again, sounds like you're very blessed to have a supportive wife and partner. And I'm wondering if you have other support in your life. Are you open about this with people in your life? Um, how does that look? Yeah, that's another good question. And I am because I was affecting everyone around me, you know. Um, you know, I was just talking to her about uh, this interview that we're doing. And, you know, I was talking to her about uh, being at work today and all that. And I was wondering, you know, if anybody there would find out, you know, a little paranoia. And she says, well, you know, your boss already knows. Because during that time, I completely walked out of my job one day um, under the influence of the stuff. I just left, you know, and I left a good opportunity on the table. Um, as far as support, I have tons of support from uh, my boss. I have support from um, all my friends and the fellowship, my family. I came clean to them about it because they kind of had an idea that something was wrong anyway because I wasn't trying to lose weight. And I went from looking fairly good like I do now to rail thin, my cheekbones sticking out, um, all my ribs showing, completely weak. And, you know, an asshole most of the time. So uh, I have a lot of my friends and family back in my life. Um, and a lot of that's due to me being, uh, being a part of the fellowship. It helps um, to stay accountable. And, uh, you know, I have uh, people I talk to on a daily basis that uh, are in 12-step programs. And so they know what it's like to live this life. And, uh, yes, we do keep keep each other accountable. Am I able to have friends outside of that? Absolutely. But uh, I'm I'm 45 years old. I'm tired. And when I get done from work and I'm done with my meeting for the day, I like to come home and rest. <laughs> Completely get that. <laughs> Tons of support, though. I'm right. grateful for that. So outside of all of this amazing support that I'm so happy to hear that you have, um, what else um, 
does life look like for you now that you're on the other side and Kratom free? It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And, you know, one thing when we're dealing with beauty is we have to remember that even nasty can be beautiful. You know, even the nasty times, uh, the hard times, you know, the challenging times, that can all be beautiful as well. Um, there's nothing I like better than a nice, sh- sunshiny day, you know, uh, 65 and up, you know, maybe not up there 110 or anything, but I love weather. And I know for the longest time when I was taking that, uh, taking the Kratom, it was um, any time it would have any clouds in the sky or it would be gray or rainy outside. I was just so depressed and could hardly do anything. Couldn't get out of bed, couldn't leave the house. So there's beauty everywhere. Um, in my job, I have uh, flourished. Um, you know, I've, I've went from, you know, being a part-time uh, instructor to now I'm, I'm back to it full-time. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. And just, I don't know, it's been since March that I've been, been off the stuff, but, uh, like even today, uh, my boss had, had come up to me and I was quite surprised about this. And they was just asking me if I could lead an educators meeting today. So I'm in an office with educate teachers all around me. And it was such a great opportunity. And it was a privilege to be able to talk about next week's educational, um, agenda. And I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. And the whole time I'm just like, you know, thank God that I am not having to slip off in the bathroom to take an extract shot right now or, or waiting till this is over. So I get out to my car and pop up on one of my, um, bottles of powder mixture that I make up, you know, it's a, it's a life without that stuff. And, it, and it's beautiful. Um, and one of the biggest changes I've noticed though, is not everything that I've just mentioned, but we also have the ability to respond to life now instead of react. And I was yeah, a big, big reactor. Reactive. I was like a ticking time bomb. And now I can actually absorb life. And not all the time. I have my moments. So I'm still a human being. But uh, I have those. I have times where I face difficult circumstances. And I'm able to breathe. I'm able to pause. I'm able to go off and think about what I'm going to do. And then I can respond. And that's that's such a huge gift. you know. So when I say life is beautiful, it's still hard. But I'm able to get through it. Uh, without reacting and overreacting now. I just love that. I think it's, there's just something about recovery people. We just see everything in a way. It's like a second chance at life, you know? So I, recovery people are my people. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just so happy to hear that everything's going so well for you. Um, I do want to talk a little bit. um, Charlie mentioned that you're a barber and you mentioned it earlier. And how do you use your recovery in your daily life? Or, you know, does it help you to be a more supportive person to others? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good question because sometimes, like when I said a while ago, I talked about reacting, responding. You know, I'm, I'm constantly faced with, um, you know, situations to where I'm interacting with others who also face their own, their own demons. You know, they come in with, uh, dependency issues. They come in with, uh, social issues. You know, maybe they're having a problem at home, whatever it is. It's like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's easy for me to get on their level and understand a little bit more where they're coming from. Um, 
I have a few people that I'm teaching right now that because I have this experience and uh, they know a little bit about my past and I'm, I'm share it, you know, if I see an opportunity, you know, they let me know they're struggling with something or, you know, as I was teaching uh, somebody the other day and, you know, is, we was having a Christmas party and uh, the guy, you know, he, he had a little problem going on, I could tell. And, um, you know, he let me, he didn't tell me about it, but I let him know. I was like, hey, man, uh, you know, I smell that <laughs> kind of thing. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with that one, uh, but I don't personally take that one either. But, uh, you know, he just he just said, hey, man, I'm looking to actually become toxin free. Do you have any ideas or any places I could start? And um, it's interesting because, you know, with me living this lifestyle now, it's not like I'm out there trying to sell it to anybody. You know, I let people do their own thing, but um, it's kind of like in the, in the program, we talk about attraction. So it's like I am an example now of what it's like to live in recovery and live in a solution rather than a problem. And I think that presents itself to others and they can see that. So in short, I am presented with situations quite frequently to where I'm able to uh, help people without um, having to chase them down. They kind of come to me and they're attracted to what I have to offer. I like that you use the word attracted because what what came to mind for me was that when we were using, or at least for me, I was so wrapped up in myself that I didn't really realize that everybody around me is hurting and struggling too. And now, I, I mean, my life's not perfect, but I'm healing, you know, and in that healing, I'm more open and receptive to seeing that others exist too. <laughs> and they yeah. matter. So um, I was pretty selfish as an addict. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. I know but, a thing or two about that. <laughs> so let's talk about, I want to go ahead and knock this question out because it's one that we love to talk about here on the podcast. Um, everybody seems to enjoy music again much more whenever they get sober. So what kind of music are you into? I, I like that question because I like good music. Okay. And there's, you know, <laughs> for me, there's good music and then there's bad music. And, uh, you know, if there's something, if it's something I can vibe with, I like it. So it's, it's hard for me to say a specific genre because I like it all. Um, but uh, if I hear something bad, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> I'll be the first one to say, I think that sucks. It's no good. So I'll nail you down on this one. What is the last concert you went to? <laughs> last concert I went to. The last concert I went to is probably some sort of a, a rock show. So the we seen Wage War was the last rock concert we went to. So they're a heavy metal band. Okay. So new age heavy metal band. Before that, it was Breaking Benjamin. Oh, nice. <laughs> several others prior to that. Um, there's a lot of really good stuff out there, but I've, I was kind of born and raised on rock and roll. So if you were to ask me what my favorite music was when I was in high school up into my 20s, I would have saying Nine Chanel's all the way, baby. You know, love, love it. <laughs> uh, all that stuff, you know, and I like I like all kinds of heavy metal music. Uh, but, you know, I've also gotten into some of the hip hop that's out now. I don't like. OK, so example, bad music to me, this new country stuff that's hip hoppy, but twangy, you know. 
I just can't get down with it. But, you know, I've got a couple of new students. They're like really into Morgan Wallen and stuff like that. <laughs> and if you listen to some of his lyrics, it sounds like he struggles too with some stuff. So I'm like, hey, you know, how smoke it? As long as you promise to leave Bailey Zimmerman out of it, because I have a little crush on Bailey. Can't but we're... Bailey Zimmerman. No, I know who that is. But he was like, it's the new wave country, okay? Okay. Is it that rap country they talk about? He, no, he doesn't rap. He's actually a pretty talented kid. You should check him out. What's his name now? It's Bailey Zimmerman. Bailey Zimmerman. Okay. I'll try to remember yep. that. Yep, check it out. Okay, so moving on, if you were to give some advice to somebody that's trying, you know, to quit and just starting out on their path and their journey to healing, what advice would you give them? The advice I would uh, give to somebody if they were wanting to quit would be to make a decision. You know, um, is it really, do you, do you want to quit and are you willing to go through some tough times in order to achieve that. Um, and if you're willing to go through some tough times to achieve that, then there, there is a way out, you know? Um, but if it's, if it's still one of those things where you, um, you know, cause we all still get pleasure out of it, but it kind of comes to a point to where is it more, am I getting more pleasure or more harm from it? And so if it's doing nothing but destroy your life and you can clearly see that, um, and I'll, I'll tell you too, that in, uh, so I worked the 12 steps and, uh, in step two, it mentions insanity. So if you're insane for some reason, then you may not be able to reason that out yourself. And that's why I'm saying you might want to check yourself a little bit and see if you're willing to go through some hurt in order to achieve yourself. And then if that's the case, I would say just get honest with yourself and, uh, make a change. That's a really great advice, Chance. And I just want to thank you again for coming on the podcast. Is there anything that I forgot to bring up or any message that you want to leave the listeners with tonight? Um, yeah, I do. Um, so I was joined the group a long time ago, um, back whenever I was, I started noticing myself struggle with it. And I saw a lot of, uh, posts asking about how hard it is and, um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of times we want to really take things and become afraid of them, uh, because they're hard. So if there's anything I can say, it would be that, um, if you have a question of, can I ever get off of Kratom or am I stuck here? The answer is absolutely you can get off of it. And no, you're not stuck there because, uh, there's folks like you, there's folks like me in this group and there's several others. And uh, we have some experience, some strength and hope for you if you're ready for it. And um, just get ready. If you're ready to stop, embrace the suck, embrace the pain, embrace the withdrawals for what they are. And that's that nasty shit leaving your body and getting ready for a whole new life for you. It really does get better, even when it doesn't feel like it's going to, because I know we all had those moments where we wondered if it ever would be better. And we are all here to tell you that it absolutely does get better and it is so worth it. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Chance. We really enjoyed having you on the podcast. You're welcome. And uh, again, it was a privilege and an honor to be here. And thank you so much for asking me.
Absolutely. I hope you have a great night. You too. Kratom in the headlines, the last one for 2023. We have a clip of the Tampa Bay Times from their TikTok account about their series Deadly Dose. Please go to their website and read the articles themselves. Part one and two are both available now, along with the two companion pieces. Part three should be out this last week before Christmas. Take a listen, please. This herbal product is everywhere. The Tampa Bay Times found its use can lead to devastating consequences. We just, we didn't, we didn't know what we were dealing with. And I think he knew that it wasn't a good idea, um, but I don't think he was trying to put his life at risk. Jonathan Damp took a lethal dose of Kratom. More than 580 people in Florida have died from Kratom-related overdoses during the past decade. Most of the deaths were caused by a mixture of substances, but 46 people overdosed on the plant alone, according to medical examiner records. Many consumers laud the herb as an effective way to treat pain, depression, and addiction. Industry leaders have said you can't die from the substance, and the lack of regulations has allowed companies to sell increasingly potent products. The American Kratom Association called the Florida death toll grossly overstated. Because it's detected does not mean that it is the cause of or the contributing factor in the death. The FDA has promoted, and with their propaganda, anti-Kratom propaganda, that Kratom is a dangerous substance and therefore causing these deaths. We gathered records from medical examiners across Florida and built the most comprehensive database of Kratom-related overdoses by any news organization. Here's what we know. Not all Kratom products are the same. In Southeast Asia, fresh leaves are chewed or used to make tea. But in the U.S., Kratom is commonly sold as dried powder or in highly concentrated forms like liquid shots. Companies brag about the strength of their Kratom, marketing powders and shots as powerful, most potent, and long-lasting. We don't know what the toxic windows are, and it's, it, it frightens me from that standpoint. Kratom companies and lobbyists tout the plant as a safe way to escape opioid addiction. But vendors aren't required to warn customers of the potential dangers of mixing the plant with other substances, including common ones like anti-anxiety medications. Scientists believe Kratom has therapeutic potential and are racing to better understand the plant. But much remains unknown about how to safely consume it and whether taking it could lead to long-term effects. It started gaining popularity in the U.S. in the 2000s and has since grown to a $1.5 billion industry nationally. The lack of regulations leaves consumers in a dangerous vacuum of information. Nobody knew what to be concerned, to be scared, to be like, are we overreacting? Are we underreacting? We just, we didn't know. Follow for part two of our investigation that looks at how lawmakers around the country are passing industry-friendly bills championed by lobbyists. And on a slightly more festive note, this is your last chance to call in for the holiday special. We have a Google number that will be in the show notes. We are taking three-minute messages of about your festivist grievances and your festivist miracles. We will play them on the air on December 24th, 2023. Thank you.
Jingle Bells, Decima is here to tell you the resource of the week. Yuletime greetings, quitting gang. I hope everyone is surviving the hustle and bustle of the quickly approaching holiday and making it through the season with little to no stress and all the joy and peace you deserve. For many, this time of year is mostly all about celebration, but for a lot of addicts, the holidays can be tricky to navigate, and we often find ourselves needing a little extra support. Um, not to mention the colder weather and viruses the winter often brings can sometimes make it more difficult to get out and about. So today's resource of the week is all about virtual support meetings. As always, the following resources will be linked in the podcast descriptions, but we just wanted to make sure that our listeners are all aware of this incredible resource. I know that for me personally, these meetings have been, they've been a supremely valuable tool in my arsenal against this Kratom beast. I've made some really wonderful connections with others out there who are also struggling with this unique and insidious vice that not everybody understands, you know? So that being said, I bring to you the following meetings. These are all virtual online Kratom addiction meetings. And the first one that I want to talk about is called Quitting Kratom. It's on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern. This is a Zoom meeting, so you will need the Zoom app or log into zoom.com. The next meeting is also a Saturday meeting. This is a fairly new meeting, but it is a Kratom Anonymous Kratom 12-step group. This meeting, again, is also on Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, and it is also on Zoom. Next, we have Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, Let's Talk Kratom. This meeting is hosted by Treatment Center Kratom Support Group. To register or to attend this meeting, you'll need to go to their website, which we, again, will have linked below, but that's going to be mountainside.com forward slash support dash groups forward slash Kratom. Again, that's Let's Talk Kratom. The next group I want to talk about is brought to you by yours truly. This meeting is affiliated with our online Facebook group, it's called Quitting Kratom Support. This meeting is on Wednesday nights. It's p.m. Eastern. This one is on Google Meet. You can download the Google Meet app or you can go to the Google Meet's website to attend this meeting on Wednesday nights. And the next meeting we're going to talk about is Quitting Feel Free. This one was originally started to talk about the unique struggle that people found themselves in when they tried to quit the feel-free products. However, anybody is welcome to attend this meeting. It's also on Wednesday nights at 30 p.m. Eastern. This one is back again on Zoom. The last meeting I have for you is hosted by Dopey, which is also... If you're familiar with the Dopey podcast, this one is on Thursday nights 
It's at 7 p.m. Eastern. Once again, this one is on Zoom. I just want to make a note that these meetings are hosted by volunteers. Sometimes they are canceled unexpectedly. I will say that we do our very best to keep you informed. If a meeting has to be canceled or moved around, most of us have either a WhatsApp chat, a, a Facebook messenger chat, email, notification list, something of that sort in order to keep you guys posted on what's going on with these meetings. So again, check the list of resources below for the online virtual meetings. And in the meantime, keep it kratom free and have the happiest of all the holidays, quitters.